Good morning, everybody. My name is Mike Foster. If we've not had a chance to meet, I'm one of the ministers here at the Church of Christ at Hagerstown. And uh, the, that, that, that secure online giving portal that Mikey mentioned is that found at cchmd.com slash give, cchmd.com slash give. And we want to uh, welcome everyone here today, both in the house and joining us online. Uh, we are glad that you have uh, taken time out of your Sunday to, to join us and, and worship with us. Um, uh, we would love to, to know where you are viewing us from. And so if you would uh, let us know uh, that, you can do that at the uh, Connect page at cchmd.com slash connect. Uh, fill out the connection card there and uh, let us know where you are joining us from today. Also on that Connect page is a link uh, to our giving portal. So you can just find all that right there. If you're new with us, you can also send us a text at 240-347-0897. If you want to follow along with uh, some sermon notes today, can I see where we're at and follow along there? Uh, you can do so at the Uversion Bible app uh, and uh, search for the Church of Christ at Hagerstown. Today's sermon is called Made Alive. Made Alive. And so you can find those there. Uh, before we uh, get into today's uh, sermon, we do want to take a, a time uh, to pray. And we want to pray for uh, Peggy Lewis. She's been on our prayer list for a while. Uh, she's uh, ha- had leukemia. or She still has leukemia, but uh, uh, we can praise God that it's been in remission for the last year. And so her cancer numbers are looking good. She had a double pneumonia about a month or so ago, and she's still in the process of recovering from that. But her spirits sound good. She's doing well with that, but she has an upcoming heart surgery. And so uh, on May 6th, she's going to be transferred from Hagerstown uh, to MedStar Washington and then uh, be prepped and have surgery in the coming days after that. And so if we can be praying uh, for her uh, in that whole transition, that they can continue to, uh, to get her uh, uh, heart stabilized. She uh, has been kind of in and out of uh, congestive heart failure with the pneumonia. And so you can be praying for her as she kind of get her steady and balanced kind of through that and, and then ready to be transferred down to Washington. So if we can be praying for her as well as others that are on our prayer list today. And so before we go any further, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your amazing grace. Grace that saved us while we were far from you, while we were sinners uh, a part in your enemies. Father, we thank you that you met us in our time of need, in the place where we most needed you. You sent your son, Jesus. And Father, today we celebrate him and his life and, and his death, his resurrection for us. Father, as we've held in our hands the, the, a, bread, a piece of bread and a cup of juice to symbolize his broken body and his shed blood. Father, I thank you that you care so deeply for us that you meet us in, in all of our places of need, Father, be it spiritual, be it relational, Father, and also physical. And Father, we want to lift up today Peggy Lewis, that Father, as she continues to recover uh, from uh, pneumonia, Father, as she uh, is still battling leukemia, even in remission, that Father, you would also be with her doctors as they seek to take care of her heart. That, Father, you'd guide her surgeons to, to provide uh, the, the proper care and the proper treatment. Father, her, her doctors would help her to, to re, re, recover and, and be uh, recuperated and, and be strengthened. Father, we are thankful for her spirits, that they are they're uplifted, that they are focused on you and, 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 and the love and the life that you've given her. Father, I pray that you would uh, restore her health, restore her to uh, her family, and, and uh, maybe even in the coming days, fellowship together with us. Father, we thank you for the way that you watch over us. 
Father, we thank you for the way you care for us. As a loving Father, help us to show others your great love. Father, I pray that today as we open up your word, that you would use the words of your scripture to challenge us and to change us so that we can transform the community around us into a community that loves and follows you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. In the middle of third grade, my family made a move. We made a move from uh, uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, uh, to St. Peter's, Missouri. St. Peter's, Missouri is a, is a suburb of uh, St. Louis, and uh, we uh, made this move. We, my, my dad uh, found a new job, and we we're kind of moving back home to our roots. My family is from central Illinois, and so... Uh, we were moving back to St. Louis. My, my aunt and uncle had lived there for years. We were two hours from uh, my grandparents. It was a good thing. Uh, I, we, you know, on, on one hand, uh, we, we'd only been in Myrtle Beach for a year, and so the whole new school and moving and meeting new friends and all that, it, I, that was kind of familiar. I had done it before, and I, I can go and do it again. And so we made this move, but this time uh, there was one added change to, to, to the whole thing. And and as I was going to be a new kid in a new school, I was also going to have a new look because during our time in uh, South Carolina, I had developed a condition called myopia. And for you guys, oh my goodness, no, really, that's just nearsightedness. And so some of you guys have myopia as well. And so uh, and if, if it wasn't for my contact lenses, you guys would just all be a blur right now. And so, and then I would have to hold my notes like this close to my face to see what I had written down. And so I, I had developed nearsightedness because it kind of runs in our family. My dad it w- was blind as a bat. Um, my, my mom has great eyes. So my, my brothers, they have mom's eyes. I have dad's eyes. And so uh, I, I was blessed with his name and his eyesight. And so uh, we uh, go and we move to St. Louis and, and I get these glasses. And I don't know about your family if you had to wear glasses, but I'm guessing if your family was anything like my family, the aesthetics of the glasses and the trendiness of the glasses was not anywhere in consideration when we uh, were, were looking at it. They had to be tough. They had to be heavy duty. They, they, they essentially had to be, you know, uh, here's army surplus. They were going to have to go through war. And, and, and it was a good thing because there was a couple times playing basketball that I got hit in the face with a basketball and they broke and they had to be somehow glued back together. And so maybe it was for the good, but trendiness and the aesthetics of the glasses did not matter. It was like, do you like this color brown or that color brown? That was kind of what it came down to. It was like, well, that, that brown, that brown's a little bit less attractive on my face. No, There's none of that kind of conversation. It was like, hey, these look good. Where are these? And so that's kind of the, the glasses buying experience I had as a child. So, um, so, so Saray, you know, we, we give you options. And so, um, so I'm in this new environment. And sometimes when we go into a new environment, we can kind of create a new identity for ourselves, right? Yeah, maybe where you were at uh, before, you're like, I kind of got pigeonholed and I kind of uh, was, was thought of as a certain kind of way. And I want to change my identity with the people I'm around. I, I, I've evolved, I've grown. And so when you move to a new place, you can kind of have this opportunity. And, and all of a sudden, I was in this new school as the new kid with these new glasses and there, I, I, it was like my identity was kind of thrust upon me. But sometimes as we grow up, we can kind of begin to, in these new situations, create a new identity for ourselves. Like I said, maybe we've grown up, maybe we've evolved, maybe what we once were, we are no longer. Not so much like a character actor who takes on uh, the persona of a person or a part, 
but a genuine life change may have occurred in us that brings out this new and different persona. So maybe that happened to you. Maybe as you grew up, maybe in, in high school, you were the, the class clown. And, and so when you go back for a, a reunion, when you get around high school friends, they expect you to play, kind of fill that role, to, to be that person. And maybe, maybe you've grown. Maybe uh, things have changed in you. Maybe you're not just the class clown who hides their insecurities behind laughter. Maybe now you've grown in confidence in who you are and, and what you can do. Maybe your place in the family or the role, your role on in a certain group or team or club was to fit this certain type of person. But that shoe no longer fits. And so when you return to the group, can they handle your new identity? See, much of our life is lived in process. Much of our life is lived in process, somewhere between here and there. And often in that journey, things change uh, around us and things change about us and the different environments we find ourselves in, we change, adapt, and grow. We're always somewhere between who we are today and who we are becoming tomorrow. This process means we are in development. So as we look at the text today, I want us to see that process produces progress. Process produces progress. Progress. And when we're all in prog- process, does the process that we are in, does the progress we are making, is it for our betterment? Because sometimes progress can lead us to no good. Not all progress is good. Sometimes we can progress in the wrong direction as well. We are all advancing somewhere to become something. So where, where does our progress lead us? Where does our progress lead us? So if you would turn with me, as we are making our way through Paul's letter to the the church in Ephesus, we're going to turn today to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. So if you want to uh, be turning there, Paul's continuing to help his friends there in Ephesus uh, through their process, their process of of becoming like Jesus, of, of growing in their faith. They're still in process and learning about this new identity that they have and how this identity uh, is, is made real in them and how through them they can impact the community around them. See, this process doesn't just happen. It is, it's not just smooth sailing between uh, the, the point when we accept Jesus as our Savior and the time we make it home. Somewhere in there, there's going to be some rough seas. But there's one who walks with us through the process and he is deeply invested in our progress. He's deeply invested in who we are becoming. And Paul writes this for his friends in Ephesus. He says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul is riding them. They're on this journey, and he kind of begins to lay out the journey a little bit for them, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like, here's, here's where you were, and here's how we are growing. Here's how we are developing. And he tells them, and he begins, hey, here's where you start. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Well, how about that for good news, right? You know, you, you, you were dead. You know, and, and the operative word there is were. There was a point in time when we were dead in our sins, when we had no life in Christ when we were separated from him, when we were far from him, we were as if we were spiritually dead. He says that's, he says he uses the word were because they are in process. They no longer were there, but we all know people who were there, right? Paul even says at one point, we all were there. At one point, we were all as if we were dead in our sins. We were in this place far from God, separated from him. And in Paul's nature, he kind of always kind of paints this, this negative picture. He kind of gives us the bad news before he turns and gives us the good news. Essentially, he tells them, hey, you were spiritually dead. You had no hope. It's, past. it's in your past. That's where you started. It's where you used to live. When you follow the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. This is how those who are disobedient, that's how they still live. And so we know people. We can say, hey, these are people who have a, a relationship with Jesus. They, these people are now uh, spiritually alive. They were dead, but they are now made alive. But we also know people who are like, hey, they've not chosen Jesus spiritually. They still are dead. They're dead in their transgressions and sins. They've not trusted in the grace of Jesus. Jesus poured out for us on the cross. We used to live that way. That's how it used to be in our Status at that point, we were deserving of the deserving uh, the wrath of God. We were by nature objects of God's wrath. So before we choose to follow Jesus, before we uh, are put in right relationship with the law by trusting in His work on the cross, we bear the weight of our own sin. That's the travesty of the cross. That's why Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because, because all of our sin, that separatedness that we feel when we sin and when we're apart from God, he felt that in that moment. He had, he had gone from an intimate communication, an intimate relationship with his father, even though he was physically on earth and God was physically in heaven, he felt as if they were one until that moment when God turned his back on him. And God poured out his wrath upon his son. When we are dead in our sins, we are by nature objects of wrath, deserving God's wrath on us. But God made a way for us to no longer have that, that, that be our reality. And see, it's not just for the Ephesians. It's not just for those who were, uh, for any non-Jewish person. It wasn't even, it, it was also the reality of, of all the, the Jewish people at the same time too, because they were, we were all at one point separated from God. Our sin separated us from him. And so Paul is, is once again clearly painting the bad news. He's kind of laying out for them what it looks like. He sets up the bad news so we can see the beauty and the power 
of the good news. That's why when he writes his friends in Rome, he starts off by saying, hey, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a one of us who's fallen short of God's glory. There's not one of us who haven't sinned. But in the very next verse, he says, hey, but we are now all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So for those of us who believe, we are now justified. We are now put in right relationship with the law. We've all sinned. And until we accept Jesus, we are still in this sinful place, falling short of God's glory. But once we enter into faith, once we come to Jesus, and, and, and as scripture says, as we, as we submit ourselves to baptism, and we are, are obedient to Jesus, we are then found in this place justified before him. We are put in right relationship with law. One way to understand that word justification, one word to understand that we're justified is that God looks at us just as if I'd never sinned. Because of the redemption bought for us by Jesus. Also why he writes in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we're over here dead in our sins, we deserve death. We deserve God's wrath. But there is hope. We've been saved by the grace of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The good news may not always seem as good until we realize how bad our situation was, how bad things were, how bad things could have been. And then Paul shows us the good news. He says this, he says, but, but because of his great mercy, because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Remember, he keeps going back. Yeah, you were dead, right? You were, that was who you were. And in that situation, in that time, you were apart from God. But, but God. If you have uh, um, maybe, maybe some Bible software on your computer, maybe on your phone, Search the phrase, but God. Search the phrase, but God. And look at all the times it shows up. Because there's something powerful about that word, but. It's saying, hey, hold all this other stuff. Just kind of hold it off to the side. Because guess what? That reality is about to change. Say, we were dead. We were lost in, uh, in our sins and transgressions. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. We were until God acted. And when God acted, he made a way for us to be alive. Who would rather, you know, if we had the option, would we rather be dead or alive? I think we would all prefer life. It says, uh, we were dead until God acted. And he bestowed his mercy and love upon us. And in his grace, he allows us to exchange death for life. I asked you today, which would you rather have, death or life? Which would we choose? Now, I, I know that there, there, there are some that, that, that in our world, depression and suicide are real things. And they are, are realities of real hurt. And there's probably not a, a family, there's probably not a one of us in here who's not had our lives somehow affected by them. But how many of our friends, how many of our family members would exchange the pain they were feeling, the hurt they were feeling, and exchange it for real life? Exchange it for the hope that God had, that would take away this hurt and give them hope. See, we know that real life can only be found in Jesus. 
But this does not mean that these uh, hurts don't affect Christians. There are Christians who experience these very things, and the, the hurt and the heartache is not exempt from those in the church. But if they could have experienced freedom from what was breaking them, they could be freed from their burden. If they could walk freely in the life that Jesus desires, which do you think people would choose? Because we always, all of us prefer life over death. We all prefer births to funerals. And God's desire is that new life would be born in you. That new life would be born in you. That we were dead in our sins, but because of his great love for us, displayed through Christ's death on the cross, he has raised us up with Jesus. It's by grace we have been saved. The grace purchased for us on the cross. That's the key to it all. How many times in these first, this first chapter and a half of Ephesians, have we seen the phrase, in Christ, in Jesus, in him? There is that key that all of this is found in Jesus. And so often the message we hear from, from our culture, so much we hear from the world around us is just, just look into yourself. Just, just get more learning, more understanding, more, uh, more uh, uh, um, training. Just better yourself. And the more you better yourself, the better your situation will be. But, but the more we read in Scripture, that's not the case. Because the more we go into ourselves, the more we find ourselves flawed and broken. And we only have a ceiling that can take us so far. And even at our very best, even our best human selves, we're still far from where God would have us. And so all this new life, all this hope, all of this grace is not found in ourselves. It is only found in, in Jesus. And in Christ, we are made alive, even while we were dead in transgressions. And it is by grace that we have been saved. And then God raises us up and seats us with him in the heavenly realms. And you might be thinking, Mike, my world does not feel like heaven right now. You might be thinking, Mike, you don't know the mountain of work on my desk that's going to greet me tomorrow morning. You don't know the pain that I have to deal with with, with this friend or this family member or, or, or this, this deal. You, you don't know the diagnosis that I've been, uh, been dealt with. You don't know the diagnosis I've received. You don't know the pressures I have at work, at home. You, you don't know. My world does not feel like I have been seated in the heavenly realms. In fact, it often feels like I'm in the other place, right? Man, my wife did my life just day after day. It feels like a, a whole week of Mondays, right? Have you ever had a week of Mondays? And you're like, I thought Monday was just one of the seven days. And you're like, no, I had like five of them. You know, just can't, just can't, you, you have like, you have like, you know, you know, you know, over the seven days, you're like, I have five Mondays and two Fridays, right? And there's like no day off, but a couple of days are a little bit lighter than the other ones. And sometimes that's how our world feels. Because we live in this tension between the now and the not yet. We live in this tension between the now and the not yet. 
where we have glimpses of the kingdom. We have glimpses of glory. We have glimpses of what it's like to be with God. We have glimpses of all these things that are, are good. and like, this, is, this is what relationship with God should feel like. These are, this is what I long for. We have glimpses, but it's not our total reality. It's Jesus' physical reality. That's where he is right now. God's lifted, us, lifted him, and he is in. He, he's sitting at the right hand of God. But that, it, while it's his physical reality, it is still our spiritual reality, even though we have to slug through the difficulties of life. That we know that God walks with us. That these glories are before us. They're coming in the coming age when God will reveal his incomparable riches that are expressed to us in the kindness of Jesus. The glories of heaven. The glories of heaven that John tries to describe for us with the book of Revelation. You go to the end of Revelation, and, and, and after all the battles and the wars and all the, the crazy stuff where the world is coming, completely coming undone, we, he gets to the end and he describes the city of Jerusalem coming down out of the clouds. And the only words John can use are, it is light. I don't have the words to describe it, but it, it, it's, it's like this. Have you ever tried to describe something to someone who didn't experience it? And the only way you can, you, you know, is, well, it's kind of like this. You know, what, 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 what did, you know, did it feel like? What, hey, have you ever been to, you know, what, what did it feel like when uh, you're at the air show and the, 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 the military jet hit its afterburners? Well, it's kind of like, have you ever been at a concert and felt the bass in your chest? It's kind of like that. Have you ever seen what have you, have you ever been there? It's, it's kind of like that. John's there. He's seeing all of heaven. He goes, well, it's, it's like, it's like these jewels. And like, they stack the, the, all these jewels up. And that's what the wall of the city looks like. Hey, have you ever seen a pearl? The gate looks like a giant pearl. It, 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 it's like all of this. And so these incomparable riches, John can only tell us what it's like, not what it actually is. And so we have this, in our future, that God has prepared this place for us to express his kindness to us through Jesus. In Christ, we are in this process because apart from Christ, there's no progress towards God. On our own, we cannot progress towards God. Only in Christ and with Christ can we make our way towards God. See, remember, not all progress is positive. Not all progress is good. Sometimes we make progress in the wrong direction. Have you ever made progress in the wrong direction? Have you ever thought you're supposed to turn left coming off the highway and you turned right and you realized I'm making progress away from my goal, away from my destination. I thought I was supposed to turn there. And, you know, and, and, and it's like, thank God for GPS because it always takes us, well, generally takes us in the right direction. Generally, takes us in the right direction. And wouldn't it be awesome if we had GPS for our spiritual life? Oh, wait. We have an analog version called Scripture. We read and we, we, we realize what God desires for us. We, we can begin to make progress in the right direction. And when we seek God, when we're walking with Christ, we find it produces progress, and that progress towards life, the life that God wants for us. See, there's a choice. There's a choice on our side whether we want to enter into salvation, whether we want to enter into that process with God, or if we want to try to achieve it on our own. 
Paul lets us know that it's by grace that we have been saved. It's God's gift to us. That gift is salvation. The salvation that God offers to us is the gift. Is, the word grace is also a word for gift. For it's a, a gift that you've been given to be saved. And we receive it through faith. We receive it through faith. This is made possible because of God's grace, his gift to us, his unmerited favor. I've said this before. Uh, It's interesting that we give the person who was born gifts on their birthday. Because what did they do to earn those gifts? I mean, really, on a birthday, all the gifts should go to mama. She's the one who did all the work. We were just along for the ride, right? I mean, it, was just, it just kind of it happened to us. That's why it's a gift, right? We didn't earn it. And depending on our behavior in some years, we probably didn't necessarily deserve some of those gifts. And, and, but we, we give it to them in celebration. And God wanted to celebrate us as his creation. And so he made salvation possible. It is his gift to us. It is his grace us poured out through Jesus and by faith in him we can receive this gift we can't brag about it man look at my faith God knew that I believed in him so much that's why he saved me he he took one look at my faith and he's like I gotta have him on my team look how awesome she is boom that's how it is right I mean we are all broken people. We are all sinful in various and different ways. Some people might go, hey, they are better at it than I am, right? And, but, but, but we all are pretty good at that sin thing. We've been doing it like all of our life. And so it's not because we're so good. It's not because we believe so hard or believe so well. No, no, no. It is nothing about us. It's all about the work that Jesus did for us. That's the good news. That this process that produces progress it starts out and it's all about God. Our part is by, the only thing that we have is, is we choose to, yes, I want that on my life. Yes, I want to experience that. I want to join that. I want to say, I can't do it on my own. And so I need your help. We're not saved for our good pleasure. We're saved not just for our own benefit, but we're also saved to tell others. See, it's not just about us entering into a relationship with Jesus. It's not about just us about entering this process that produces progress towards God. But he saves us to help, help others enter into that process as well. That process of, of helping others receive this gift of salvation through Jesus. So while we are all in this process together, we are in the process of being formed into God's Handiwork. That word handiwork means masterpiece. Remember last week I, I said we are all on God's refrigerator. God sees our picture. He sees the artwork of our life and he's like, look at what my child did. I mean, he, he has seen the Mona Lisa. He has seen the Sistine Chapel. He has seen um, uh, Starry Night, the creation of Adam, Statue of David. All these wonderful masterpieces, God has beheld them. And he thinks you are more valuable than all of them 
combined. We are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece. He's created us. He's He's made us alive again in Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. There's, There's good works to help lead others to know him. See, God is infinitely invested in your progress. Paul will write to his friends in the city of Philippi. He'll say, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. God is not through with you. No matter what your age, there there are still things in your life that need to be turned over to God. There's still things, you know, there's still work in your life to do to help uh, uh, make much of God here, to help lead and point others to God here so that he can be made known. One of my favorite authors is a man named Mark Batterson. He wrote this one time. He said, God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. Sometimes we, we just get so locked up in ourselves. I'm like, I, 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 I want to achieve these things for God. I want to make much of God. I want to I do these things for God. And we get so wrapped up in that sometimes we get lost in the process. We make it about us. But God wants us to grow and develop in our faith in him even more than we want to grow in our faith in him. God is deeply invested in each and every one of our lives. Because by his grace that we've been saved. See, the progress God wants to see in us will result in the good works that he's prepared for us to do. What are some of those good works? Love your neighbor. To make disciples. To carry one another's burdens. To care for widows and orphans in their distress. To sell your possessions and give to the poor. To pray for one another. To bear one another's burdens. To Well, the list could go on and on. Some of these good works will create a big impact. Some of the works in our life will be huge, but some of them will just be little nudges. They'll be a little thing. And maybe a whole bunch of little things will wrap up, will bunch up together to make a really big deal. But sometimes the good work is just being a consistent presence. In someone's life. So sometimes it's a bunch of little things that become a big thing. But big or small, the work God has for us is important. It's a way for us to help others grow and encounter Him. Beginning, Paul said, You were dead in your sins, in your transgressions. And maybe today you find yourself still dead in your sins and transgressions. Maybe you still live apart from God. Maybe you've not yet chosen him as your savior. And maybe you need to begin to make some progress in this area in your life. Maybe today you want to make Jesus your savior and begin to enter this process with him. And if this is a decision you want to make today, we want to celebrate with you. We want to come alongside you. We want to help you as you enter into this process to progress towards Jesus. And so if you would, would you let us know? You can let us know by filling out the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. And, and down there, there's a list of decisions that you can make today. And one of them says, become a Christian. We'd love for you to check that box and, and fill out that card and submit it to us. 
You can also simply text the word LIFE to 240-347-0897. And we want to celebrate with you. We want to come around you. We want to uh, help you as you begin this journey. Help you as you choose Jesus as your Savior. As you begin to walk in step with him. That you would align yourself. And allow yourself to go through this process. Make progress. To be the masterpiece God desires you to be. Dude, it's by grace we've been saved. This not of ourselves is God's work for our life and in our life and then through our life. We're his masterpiece. He's given us good works. He's planned them in advance for us to do. Sometimes we've got to make greater progress towards him before he can use us to accomplish the things he wants to use us for. Maybe today, maybe today you just need to recommit to that process. To give your life back to him. Submit yourself, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the work that he wants to do in your life. So that he can be made much of through you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the life we have. We thank you for the, the life you've given us through Jesus. We pray that you would help us along the way to, to give you glory, Father, to represent you well. Father, we can make much of you, that we can use the gifts and abilities you've blessed us with to accomplish the tasks you have for us. Father, you help us to align ourselves with you, to enter into uh, the process of, of being changed. Father, maybe for the first time of, of choosing Jesus as our Savior. Father, you would help us to love you and love others well. Father, we thank you for the, that you met us. While we were dead in our transgressions and sins, that you saved us by your grace, your gift poured out for us. That even while we were broken and far from you, you can make us beautiful. Father, use us to give you glory. Use us to redeem this world back to you. We thank you in Jesus' name.